salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, and Kamish. And now the vacancy of teams without coaches has extended to eight. The New York football giants have let go of head coach Joe Judge. Uh, GM Dave Gellerman decides to retire. He took the easy way out. Didn't want to be scolded by the Masters. Decided he wanted to just take the high road and get the heck out of Dodge. I, I'm at a loss of words. If anybody knows where the commission stands in this, over the last hour or so of me putting this together, I just could not put together the words to fully express how I feel about a team like the New York Giants that have spent the last few seasons, maybe the last several seasons, I, I count six seasons, of trying to find somebody to replace Tom Conklin. And I can remember all the naysayers then when they thought that Tom Conklin was beyond his time, that he was too old as a coach to be able to manage the New York Giants. And it's interesting that when they said all of this several years ago, I was probably one of the few people that said that they should not fire him because they wouldn't be able to find somebody that had an island, an understanding, had an understanding, had some type of uh, persona with a team like this that knew the heartbeat of New York, that knew the heartbeat of this organization and the tradition that comes with it. And given what Coughlin learned from Bill Parcells in the 80s, there's only a few coaches that exists today that really care about the tradition of New York football. And yes, there are the Jets. And yes, there's other teams that exist in New York. And New York will always be popular because of the New York Yankees. But it's still, when you talk about the New York Giants, all anybody wants to do is win. All you want to see is your team win. There was a time where the New York Giants did just that. Even prior to the merger with the AFL, the New York football Giants was established sometime in 1927, if I'm correct. I could be off by a few years, but that's when they won their first championship. Their very first championship goes all the way back to 1927. They win another one in 1934, another one in 1938, and then they win their last NFL championship prior to the merger of the AFL in 1956. They go on this drought, this championship drought from 56 to where we stand in 1986, 30 years around the time that Bill Parcells makes his name into the NFL gauntlet. And he spends but three seasons with this organization before they win a championship. And then he wins another championship in 1990 with a team that was loaded with some of the best defensive players you ever see. Lawrence Taylor, Harry Carson, Carl Banks, and a number of other guys on that team that were just, when you saw them play, you were just spellbound. You were just so focused on this team and how successful they were playing. You were in awe of the talent. You were in awe of how they won. They played with a lot of ferocity. And this is what we can remember about Giants football from the 80s. I might have been all of about 10 or 11 years old myself when I, I can remember their first 
Super Bowl win. But even for me, a person that's not a big fan of the Giants could see how this Giants tradition just started to bleed into the years to come. The generations that passed from the 90s to the 2000s. And even after that last Super Bowl they had with Bill Parcells in 1990, it would still be about 20-something years before they saw another Super Bowl. And it, it, it probably makes the biggest statement now that if you're talking about a winning tradition, it is very hard to put together, especially in New York for some reason. I don't know if it's so much the fact that there's so much money that you get lost in the, in the, in the fine hairs or the crosshairs of a winning tradition or putting together a winning team because the success has to come with the talent you put with each other, the, the talent that you put together. And that talent that you put together is not necessarily the best talent based on what we think that talent would be. And you try to find every coach in the world that can respond to these guys, especially after Bill Parcells, because now we want to maintain this. We want to keep this going. We've had a smell of what victory means to us, and we want to keep it here in New York. The problem is, even after Parcells retires, we still cannot find a coach to take us back to that winning tradition. The late Jim Fossil was the first coach after the Barcells era to take this team in a winning tradition, to have a winning record over 500. And then after Fossil is uh, uh, fired from the organization, sometime after that, that Tom Conklin takes over and he establishes a winning tradition. He establishes a winning record with this team, taking them to the Super Bowl two times himself. And so now Conklin is probably the best thing they have going. The problem is he is not young enough to keep on this team. Or so they say, or so it's perceived. I don't think it was a question of age. Many people thought it was. It'd be the fans themselves, the Giants fans, that felt as though he was getting too old to establish himself as a coach. But he was winning. The players understood him. The players evolved around him. Michael Strahan said himself that he was contemplating retirement and that that was his last year, ironically enough, before they won the championship in 2007, before he retires with that team. There's no telling that if he didn't retire, or if he did retire, I should say, in 2007, if they even would have won a championship. But it's a person like Michael Strahan that you needed on a team to maintain a level of discipline, to maintain structure, to give this team some type of spark when they needed it. And you think of all the teams after Parcells and he retires, Jim Fossil, and they go to the Super Bowl themselves. Mind you, I don't want to take that away from them. They were in the Super Bowl themselves. Tiki Barber would tell you. They did make the Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens, but even then they weren't ready. Perhaps there was something lacking on that defense that probably did not set the mark at that point. 
so time passes tom Coughlin comes to the scene and and and, and former gm jerry rice he, uh, jerry rice jerry reese works his magic and he puts together some of the best talent he can find in different locations he goes to the free agency picks up a few guys gets these guys together before long you're talking about somebody like uh uh, Eli Manning. Anybody hear about Eli Manning? Yeah, Tiki Barber's on that team too for a while. Prior to winning the championship, Tiki Barber's there. But it's just the fact that you see how this team is starting to develop. You see where the direction is where you can say, hey, this team could actually do something. They can actually win. The problem with today's football if I can put it together in a box, wrap it up in a bow, is that you have players today that don't care about any kind of tradition. They don't care about winning because they figure if they can't win here, they can win somewhere else. There are a number of players today, whether it's the New York football giants, New York Jets, or anywhere else within the New York establishment that feel as though the money speaks a lot louder than victories. That could be the case when you're talking about Joe Judge. And whether it was the case with Joe Judge or not, I don't think he could have established any kind of tradition of his own because he never had a tradition to build from to get to this point. Young coach, might have been, or still 33, 34 years of age. Not much under his belt. Not much experience. Outside of what he gained from Bill Belichick in New England. But sometimes you realize such coaches are just not a good fit. You realize that coach is not good enough for this type of team. And albeit a young team. It's still a team that has so much money to invest in a Kenny Galladay that it really questions where the motivation comes from. Where will we find the discipline to maintain these players, to get them to do what they're supposed to do before they run off and decide that they're not caring about football anymore? I don't know if that's the attitude, but you have to wonder how much, how many players invested their time into playing football to win games. Did did people care about winning games with Joe Judge as the coach? Joe Judge fires two offensive coordinators, including Jason Garrett, and the team doesn't do any better based on what he thought the team would look like after their goal. So this was solely about his own hubris and how he felt as though he can manage this team his way. The problem is this, you can't manage a team your way if there's no establishment from the doors to what you can do with this type of team. And we're talking about the New York football giants. We're not talking about the Detroit Lions. We're not talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're talking about the New York football giants, the biggest market in the world when talking about anything, including sports. And you hired Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman to put together this winning tradition. They don't care about a winning tradition. What they care about is themselves. Dave Gettleman 
only cared about Dave Gettleman. Dare I say, if Joe Judge did not care any more about himself, it definitely showed in the locker room. It showed when he spoke to the media, half the things that he said, I still can't repeat because it just made no kind of sense. What are you talking about, Joe Judge? And it felt like every time I spoke about the Giants after a loss, all I kept saying was that the defense looks good, but Joe Judge is not doing enough to improve this team. He'll be on the hot seat soon enough, and lo and behold, the day has come. The day of reckoning has come, and this man has done absolutely nothing to prove to us that he deserves to be a part of this team, or maybe even any other team. There's some people that are just not fit to be head coaches. You can ask a number of them. The majority of them came from Bill Belichick himself. But there lies the rub. How do we become NFL coaches? And more importantly, how do we become successful NFL coaches? I'll say this much and I'll move on. If you decide you're in a desperate need for a general manager, you go after Dave Gettleman, then you don't know anything about football either. Whether there's a tradition there or not, you're not looking to establish one. Perhaps it's all about dollar signs. Perhaps it's about putting tails in seats that make all the difference to you. But if you talk to the fans that exist in the, in the tri-state area, if you talk about the fans that exist in New York, in the five boroughs, you talk about the number of counties here in New Jersey, we're talking about the Giants. People will share with you a history of such an organization that would blow your mind. That's what football is about. That is what football is all about. That's what New York football Giants is about. Outside of it being about winning, it's about the legacies that come with it. And the number of people that have dedicated their time and their effort and their blood and their sweat to get to a point where now we're one of the best teams in the country. So says the commission. Did a good job of putting together some type of history, some type of lecture, some type of story behind the New York football giants. I can remember when they got their first Super Bowl. I can remember it clearly. And I said to myself then that this is a team that moving forward with Lawrence Taylor as the linebacker, I couldn't see how this team couldn't lose. But of course, Dallas was in there, San Fran was in there, my Washington team was in there. There's a lot of other teams that were, that were growing, evolving, just like the New York Giants. But it made for good football. And people went out there and they went out there and fought when they played football. It wasn't no ragtag, highly paid divas to go out there and, and not catch the ball or go out there and drop passes or go out there and, and juke and jag and only go for two yards a pop. This is not what we're talking about when we're talking about football, especially if we're talking about New York football. Because I can remember a time where it was like an oiled machine where you go out there and they it was just consistent. They go out there and they pound, they move the ball, the of course, everything, fundamentals, everything was on point. Everybody knew their 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 role, their responsibility. There was nothing that they could do to lose. And you could see that, especially when they beat New England in their perfect season. There's just something about that New York football Giants pride 
that you wish you could see more of, and I'm sure John Mayer is doing his best to make sure it all comes back to New York. The playoffs start this weekend. The playoffs start Saturday and go into Monday night. Hooray for football. Because this is where the fun begins. (laughs) If you're talking about playoff football, listen, I don't promote this. (laughs) I'll tell you this right now. There's a lot of betting fools out there making sure they're putting their monies in right now to make sure they get a piece of this action. A lot of great games going on for this weekend. I start with the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals is favored by five and a half points. Does that all matter? What we want to see is what Joe Burrow does with Jamar Chase. And yes, we want to see what Joe Mixon does. We want to see what a lot of those guys do. I want to see what the head coach, uh, Zach Taylor, does with this team. And I made the statement before in one of my episodes that if the Cincinnati Bengals defense comes to play, if they come to play, the Cincinnati Bengals could be dangerous moving forward into the playoffs. They're a young team full of vigor, and they're a young team determined to win. A lot of these players came from collegiate teams that won championships, so they know what the pedigree is about to win. So we have that established, too. Cincinnati's playing at home. They'll probably be cold. But for the Las Vegas Raiders and for where they stand, I'm proud of the outcome that they've had. They've had probably the biggest up and down, complicated seasons you're going to see in any type of football team. But they persevered. Thank you, Derek Carr. Thank you, Josh Jacobs. Thank you, Hunter Winfro. Thank you, Darren Waller. Went healthy. Thank you, Zach. Uh, uh, Max Crosby, uh, Daryl Carlson, Daniel Carson. You go on down the list of all these guys that contribute with this team and how they were successful. Because when they time, when it was time for them to step up and win games, they won games. I like the direction that the Raiders are going in. And the biggest test will be how well they play in a environment where it is going to be cold, perhaps windy. Who knows if it's going to be snowy. And so I give the edge to the Cincinnati Bengals only because, only because of the fact that they're playing on a high. They just beat the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that has won the Super Bowl just a few years ago. If you can go out there and beat Kansas City in your home, the question becomes, how hard would it be for them to beat the Raiders at home? Give me the Cincinnati Bengals and the points. The evening game on Saturday will be between the New England Patriots in Buffalo. Shout out to the people out there in Buffalo, Orchard City, excuse me, Orchard Park, New York. Right there in Bills Mafia. So much to talk about with this team. They're going to be playing in zero degree weather. People are going to be freezing. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm just thinking back to that Monday night game where uh, Mac Jones only threw the ball, what, three times? Will anybody get a chance? At some point, you'll have to throw the ball. I am curious, very curious to see what plan Bill Belichick puts together for his young quarterback. He is playing in an environment 
that he was uh, introduced to a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football, and now he has to go back there again and do it all over again. I think the running game for the Patriots would be key, along with the defense and how they neutralize Josh Allen. But I want to give the advantage to Buffalo because the second, the second time at home will be the charm. This will be the third time they've played each other, but this will be the second time that they'll play the Patriots in Buffalo in these conditions, regardless if it's uh, windy or not. Some person said on TV, it's probably better if it's zero degrees with no wind than it to be 30 or 40 degrees with a lot of wind. And maybe he has a point. Maybe he has a valid point because the wind would be the factor. But I'm leaning towards what Buffalo and that defense does this time around because they caught a lot of flack for what they did on Monday night when they could not stop the run against the Patriots. I think the second time around will be a charm for Buffalo and they'll find a way to put pressure on Mac Jones and stop that offense cold, no pun intended. I like Buffalo in that evening game on Saturday. They're favored by four. I think they'll cover that point spread the Sunday games Sunday games triple header starts with the Philadelphia Eagles going to Tampa Bay Florida to play Tom Brady who broke a ton of records this past year at 44 years old he holds the passing record he holds the completion record I believe he holds passing yards passing touchdown record this man did it all this past season and they're playing at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me just shout out Philadelphia for just a second. I watched them play against my Washington football team that Tuesday night. And I sat and watched them play. And I said, you know what? If they can move the ball the way that they did against Washington's defense that night. Mind you, Miles Sanders had over 150 yards rushing, if I'm correct. Or maybe he had close to 150 yards rushing. It's still the fact that. Philadelphia found a way to move that ball on the ground. Jalen Hurts is going to be running all over the place along with all the other running backs that will be available. Maybe Miles Sanders will be available for that game. I, I can't imagine if a broken hand is going to keep him from playing. But you never know the conditions of some people and how things are. So it really does come down to what that Tampa Bay defense does with that Philadelphia Eagles offense. Because we know that Tom Brady's going to pick apart Philadelphia's defense. As much as I like the way that defense is playing, Tom Brady finds a way with every team he plays against. And I got to believe, even with Philly and where they are right now, the spread is eight and a half points to Tampa Bay. But I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. There'll be a defensive battle there. But of course, the Buccaneers will be victorious. San Francisco will travel to AT&T Stadium to play the Texas, I'm sorry, excuse me. They will play the Dallas Cowboys there in Dallas, Texas. Dallas is the three-point favorite, which if you're asking me, my antennas go up because somewhere or another, somebody's telling us this is going to be a lot closer than we believe. This may go to overtime, or this could be a situation where Dak Prescott finds his his receivers. He finds his weapons. The running game will probably be the deciding factor for Dallas because both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are playing hurt. So they, they, they it could be a wash when you're talking about the running game for both teams. 
San Francisco has an issue with uh, Elijah Mitchell, I believe his name is. So it really becomes a question of which quarterback is probably going to throw the ball the best, the most, the most accurate. And in this situation, as much as Garoppolo is good for being accurate, Dallas is in a position to probably, probably take it a step further in the playoffs. I like Dallas in the position that they're in right now because of where they are. And they're playing San Fran. But San Fran's defense is not a defense to take lightly. However, I will take Dallas at home. It burns me to say it. But I'm also a football fan at heart. And I like to say I know my football. The evening game, the prime time game between the Pittsburgh Steelers at Kansas City to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites. Can that actually happen? Can they win by more than 12 and a half points? Is that possible with TJ Watt leading sack record or sack leader for this past season? Could he be the one to keep this team in some type of balance to win? And maybe win is a stretch. Ooh, 12 and a half point favorites. I mean, my goodness. What you're basically saying is that that offense is going to be decimated by that Kansas City defense. But that Kansas City defense didn't look that good to me. I don't know what anybody else sees. Maybe it's a question of how they step up during the postseason. And they've been in this position before. They were just there last year when they lost to Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Perhaps the advantage still lies with Kansas City. But I think the game will be a little bit closer to 12 and a half points. So I like Kansas City to win with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And perhaps they'll get that running game established. But I think it's going to be a little bit closer than 12 and a half points. So I'm going to take Kansas City for the win. But I'll take Pittsburgh for the points. The Monday night game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. I've already said the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. So I think it goes without saying that who needs to come out and play will be Matthew Stafford. This will be the first time being in the playoffs in God knows how long. And he's playing on one of the best offenses in the league. Cooper Cup has broken every record as a receiver. This man came about 55 yards of receiving 2,000 yards. So you would think that everything is pointing in the direction of the Rams. Rams are four-point favorite. The issue that I have with the Rams, outside of what we get from Stafford, will be that secondary for the Rams. Arizona plays well on the road. Anybody that's been watching Arizona to this point, they are hard to beat on the road. Now, that's an advantage for Arizona. Because for what you get from Kyle Murray and that offense, as long as they're in groove, they can put up the points themselves. You got to look at the other side of the ball with Chandler Jones and a few other guys that are playing defense. J.J. Watt might actually play. You don't know. But even if they get all hands on deck to play defense for Arizona, this is going to be a lot closer to four points. But I'm going to give the nod to the Rams only because I said they would go to the Super Bowl. So this will be a tough obstacle for them, but it will be one that they can persevere from and win. So give me the Rams and give me the points. So says the commish. Those are my picks for Wild Card Weekend. Didn't want to spend a lot of time on it. I didn't want to stretch it out more than I needed to. Hopefully, people can understand where I'm coming from. For those that are still trying to figure out my picks, I'm picking Cincinnati. 
I'm picking Buffalo. I'm picking Tampa Bay. I'm picking Dallas. I am picking Kansas City, and I'm picking the Rams. So I'm picking all the home teams. Now, it's up to you to decide if you're a betting person, the spreads and all. But I'll leave it up to you guys to make that decision. Don't rely so much on what the commission says, even though I feel strong about what I said about the picks. I hope everybody enjoys the playoffs. I truly do. Because regardless of what you decide to do, it's really about being amongst yourself and with your friends, perhaps even your family, and just watching some good games. I want to thank everybody for listening to my show. It means that much to me. You have been listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host and commission, and I will do it all again soon enough. That being said, enjoy the playoffs. Enjoy your time wherever you are. Be safe in what you do. Peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. And I'm out.